Hello, and welcome back to Unbounded Conversations. I'm joined here, as always, by Dave. And today we have another fantastic guest. We have, from Estonia, Jonathan Aird. Jonathan, Hello. how are you doing? Well, I'm not, I'm not from Estonia, but I am currently <laughs> in Estonia, yeah. From streaming from Estonia, hailing from the United States, uh, as are we, we have Jonathan Aird. Thank you for the- Currently digitally nomadic. That's yes. correct. Yeah, basically. Uh, the miracles of 2019. Anyways, right. we're not here to talk about uh, where's the best place to live if you're trying to start a business. What we're here to talk about is how BSV will impact the social media space and what kinds of new business models might be possible um, in that area given a Bitcoin landscape. And so before we dive into that, I think we should do what these sorts of podcasts tend to do. I think we should give Jonathan a chance to talk about his background and how you found Bitcoin and I guess what excites you about it. Yeah, well, um, I studied math, but you could call me a Bitcoin entrepreneur at the moment, um, working on a company. If you have heard of BSV News, uh, I did that, uh, still working on another version, so watch out for that. Um, but I got introduced in, in, um, to crypto in 2017, um, actually not from the ICO craziness, but I somehow stumbled upon Steemit, which was kind of the earliest um, working social media crypto projects, um, quote unquote working, I mean, it functioned. Um, it didn't do exactly what it was supposed to, but um, I was just kind of immediately captivated by the idea that by somehow combining um, money and micropayments with um, sort of online social experiences, um, how you could basically change social dynamics and, um, and, and uh, change things because that, that's been something I've been interested in for, for quite a while in um, social dynamics and how they can go right and how they go wrong. Well, if your entry point was Steemit, what was your experience of Steemit and like, did you see strengths, weaknesses from it and what did you take from there when you ventured into Bitcoin and BSV? Yeah, well, I, I basically just took the idea. <laughs> that's, that's basically all that was worth taking there. Um, the system was, was a complete mess um, and it still is a complete mess. Um, it's, it's really complicated. There's like technically three different tokens that are involved. And when you upvote a post on Steemit, you're not actually sending any money. You are uh, basically giving away inflated tokens based on the number of other types of tokens that you've staked. And your rewards are like semi-dollar equivalents that you then have to convert to the native currency and move to an exchange and the whole thing was run by bots anyway. So uh, it, 
not that inspiring, but but the idea itself was um, just so captivating that I, I kind of really latched onto it. So micropayments, are they overrated or underrated? Uh, neither. <laughs> uh, Say more. Well, uh, I would say they're overrated in, in some contexts and in other contexts, I wouldn't say they're underrated. It's just that people haven't really thought about uh, how to use them. It is interesting that you came into the space in 2017 and you were excited by micropayments because at that point, micropayments were kind of a talking point of yesteryear, at least right. in Bitcoin. Right. And more people were focusing on immutability right. or censorship resistance. Um, so how did, how did you, I, I get steam it, but it's like, what about micropayments excited you and, and where do you see that taking social networking? It wasn't really so much the micropayments. It was just the idea that you could incentivize uh, certain kinds of behaviors with money. And you kind of need micropayments to do that. Um, I, 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 it's, I struggle to see a use case of, of doing something like that with, with credit cards. It just doesn't, the, the UI, the UX wouldn't, it, it just wouldn't work. And, and I have seen actually a project that tried to do that, something like that. It was sort of like a Reddit, except every upvote was a dollar because that was just the minimum amount you can do with a credit card. It just, I don't right. think it makes any sense. Or you'd have to like preload right. uh, some amount right. of some balance yeah. and have a digital representation. Yeah. Or, it's, yeah. it's just not practical. Yeah. Playing devil's advocate for a second. You, you said that money can be used to incentivize behavior in a context like a social media platform. Um, but I think a lot of people would have an aversion to that and say like, isn't it better that we don't put money into this? Isn't it better that things are free? But perhaps maybe your perspective is that there are incentives at play already that are shaping the experience that people aren't maybe paying enough attention to. Um, at that time, I hadn't thought that far ahead. I was just, I was just very captivated by the idea. I've been thinking about um, kind of group behavior for, uh, for a really long time. It's been kind of a, a common theme uh, throughout my life. And I've, been, I've actually done a lot of social experiments um, instead of doing homework in college, seeing if I could kind of um, create, uh, well, maybe I should, I, I should probably take a step back. Um, uh, the reason I was so interested in incentivizing social behavior is something I learned growing up. Um, in my family, I always felt there was some, there was something missing. There was sort of a belonging or a sense of family that was missing. And uh, I spent a lot of time looking for that elsewhere. And I found it in high school. And <clears throat> when I went to college, I realized that my experience was very rare. That this was not the norm to, to kind of experience the social dynamics I saw in high school. And I basically came to the conclusion that um, 
at a basic level, happiness is is a result of uh, of social uh, organization. And so I kind of got obsessed with, all right, how do I how do I create this in the in the world? If people aren't experiencing this, and they don't know why they're not happy, um, you know, what what would be some way of of getting a group of people um, cooperating such that this happens? Um, and the good thing about what I'm talking about is that it's free um, besides basic sustenance. It doesn't cost any money. Um, but the, new, the not good thing about it is you have to get a group of people that is larger than your group of friends and family to all willingly cooperate. Um, and so when I saw Steam It in crypto, I, I felt like this was kind of the perfect, um, the perfect way to, to start investigating that. Could you walk us through how, or what incentives and, and you would change and how you would use Bitcoin to enable this on a social platform? Um, well, I can't go into too many details because there's uh, some superior information. There's some stuff we're working on um, that that we're not quite ready to talk about. But um, it it has to do with cooperation, and um, it just goes basically goes back to our biology. Um, uh, when we uh, uh, evolved in small groups of hunter-gatherers, um, basically the survival of the individual was tied to how well uh, the group itself was cooperating. So we basically sacrificed physical strength uh, for opposable thumbs and language, right? And when you have a group of people, you can uh, basically have a division of labor and you can uh, do a lot of things to, to, you have a network effect in a hunter-gatherer tribe of 150 to 200 people. You have a network effect that the group, the group is able to survive in circumstances where smaller groups of people can't. Um, and so what that means is that genetically speaking, your, brain is looking for signals of your own fitness and your fitness when we were evolving was the degree to which the the group itself was highly functional was cooperative uh people were not being selfish they were working they were doing different tasks the relationships were being uh, sustained and maintained. And so your brain is constantly looking for signals that you are very well connected in a group of people that can help you out when you need help. Um, and so fundamentally, it's, it's about um, cooperation, which, um, it's very interesting that that uh, Bitcoin also seems to be really a lot about cooperation. 
Yeah, absolutely. You're kind of hinting, or maybe I'm interpreting it this way, but one thing that I think about when I think about Bitcoin cryptocurrency is it is allowing things to scale that work well in smaller groups below the Dunbar number. Right. And like that humans are hardwired for. Right. And then it allows those systems to scale to massive interconnected groups, which is like the world we live in today. Right. I don't, that's not like a fully fleshed out articulated idea, but is that something that you think about and agree with? Is that yeah. kind of like the direction that you're pushing? You want social media to kind of scale a more natural human interaction that's existed for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely plausible. It's definitely plausible. And, um, there, you could, you could imagine it being, um, basically a mandala network, um, which is, which is a type of small, small world network where you have a very concentrated, uh, highly central group, group of individuals or nodes that, that branch out in a fractal pattern. Um, and you, you could, I, I haven't gone all the way and, and thought this through completely, but um, it does it does seem it does seem like that's that's highly plausible, and um, and fundamentally, money really is about cooperation. Um, it's just I, I think that we <clears throat> um, we've gotten very calloused. Um, and, and our expectations are very low, um, because we've been living under, um, inf inflationary currency. We don't have sound money. And I think that really, um, kind of changes, it gives us kind of a false perspective of what money can really be about. So definitely. Yeah. We've, we've deviated somewhat from the topic of entrepreneurship and Bitcoin. Yeah. Should we continue down this path? Because I have more interesting questions and like the high level. Yeah, let's, um, let's definitely continue down this path. Um, okay. So I guess the, the sort of emerging thesis is that our current monetary tools hinder the sort of cooperation that's necessary to generate this type of community and feeling that one is supported by that community in a way right. that kind of fits with our uh, genetically inherited sense of well-being. Right, right. I, I think it gives us the impression that money does the opposite of that, which, which I don't think is necessarily the case. I think it's the case uh, under um, an inflationary monetary supply. But um, I don't think it's the case with Bitcoin. Could you expand on that? Money does the opposite of, of what? At money, we, we're under the impression that money uh, prevents us from having uh, a, a supportive social context. It, it, it separates us in, in, into fierce competition. That's the, that's our um, impression of what money does, right? Money is the root of all evil, mm -hmm. right? Well, maybe we should put the word inflationary in there. Well, it's interesting that I think probably a lot of people today are not 
seeing money change hands with their friends that often. Um, other than yeah. like you paid for me and I'm paying you back. Um, right. That's probably the primary use case for Venmo. It's not, you did this favor for me, I'm paying you, uh, or like right. I'm buying this thing out of your house or you're a trip. <laughs> like very few people have a trade where they make things, um, at least a, a lot. I mean, a lot of people have a trade where they make things, but I think fewer and fewer do. Um, and so it's a rarer occurrence that you're in a network where people are producing things that can be traded around. And, and that's sort of, that's the foundation of the type of, I guess, like, for lack of a better word, or paleolithic sort of community uh, that you're referencing in terms of the foundation of that community is really trade of things that have value um, and not just swapping around money because you paid some third party for the things you need. Right. And, and on the other side of that, a lot of people don't experience very much connection with their um, coworkers. There's not necessarily in, in sort of a corporate environment. Um, there's not necessarily, there can be, and often there is, but even in that context, you, you, you kind of see um, more, more of this, hyper competition uh depends where you work but um i think i think in general there's going to be um smaller corporations and or or at the very least more small groups of individuals working together that have more reason to work together than they got hired by the same person. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thesis that like people would enjoy, would prefer to work in smaller companies of say a hundred people um, or perhaps even less rather than these very large uh, corporations we have now. And perhaps were the regulatory environment different, I would assert that the regulatory environment uh, is it both favors big business and was also, I think, created because it favors big business to a large degree. Were that not the case, um, you might see economies of scale shift, not just because of the difference in regulation, but just because of the difference in how people feel working at a very large company versus working at a company where they have more close personal interactions and things aren't as hyper competitive. There's a, more, a clearer division of labor. It's not, we have 10 people for this job because we need two to perform and we need one other to be able to like ascend. Yeah. And I, I think Bitcoin is, is, is it's just going to solve a lot of technical problems um, around uh, decreasing the amount of friction of outsourcing certain tasks. So you could outsource a certain task to, to, to a group of individuals who are kind of like a tribe, like a, an online tribe of workers that traditionally you wouldn't outsource those jobs because the the transaction costs are too high. I, I don't mean like the, the cost of actually sending the money, but the, the cost of that transaction in total would be higher than the cost, the internal transaction cost of hiring someone and keeping them full time. So, so I, I think 
the economy is going to be more dynamic. I mean, if you imagine, even if you do have a large corporation, let's say you've got a big project and it's kind of bigger than normal and you hire a, an extra 50 people and they're maybe they're two different groups that you hired and they have a certain reputation. They have previous work that they've done together. They already know how to work together and you just hire them for that job. Now that would allow your, your corporation to be a lot more nimble, take on bigger projects without the overhead of um, you know hundreds of thousands of engineers or whatever. Yeah, so, so dynamism would be one metric or symptom of a more healthy social networking uh, paradigm. Yeah. What else, what else would you, I guess you have this diagnosis that currently we're not functioning optimally. So what other metrics or signs would you say, like, this is indicative of a functioning, healthy social network? Mm. No, there, 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 there's a lot to learn there. Um, I, I think it's a new world. I don't think you can kind of point to a previous experience and say it's going to be like that. It's, it's going to be online, but I think, um, you know, human beings are very adaptable. My, <clears throat> my vision for this is kind of going forward with a new technology, but, but being in alignment with, um, our, our, the way our brains were in, in our, our genetic heritage. I think that there's, there's a lot of benefits to, to having those um, in alignment, not just for well-being, but in terms of actually the amount of value that is produced in the economy. But in, in terms of indicators, probably happiness. If, if <laughs> I, I think I really do think that that's uh, that's a real indicator of um, social health is is just subjective ha happiness. Yeah, I'm finding a lot of the best indicators are uh, hard to quantify. Yeah, well, well, actually, happiness is not too hard. Um, apparently, uh, self-reported happiness is is basically the same as if you asked someone's family or friends. So it, it seems to be pretty accurate. People can just say, you know, out of 10, you know, what's your happiness score? So drilling into something you said a few minutes ago about transaction costs being lowered, not just through the actual transaction fee that like a payment processor or the Bitcoin network would take, uh, is that sort of a function of smart contracting, do you think? Or what's yeah, there that yeah, makes that cheaper? Be, um, smart contracts, it can be basically, you know, um, technology platforms that, that take care of all of the accounting and paperwork all recorded on chain. It could, you know, you can have um, very efficient systems for uh, managing this team. Um, and and sort of the flexibility of hiring someone um not necessarily in a specific geographic location so i'm curious do you think the gig economy as it currently exists is a step in the right direction or is uh, that this weird like 
symptom of the current paradigm being in transition or something? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. A lot of the things that I've been thinking about trying to uh, look into the future um, of the of the Bitcoin economy are are sort of like culminations of trends that have been occurring. So the gig economy definitely being one digital nomadism. Um, there are a lot of trends that that are are they're well on their way. Uh, but I think once once you have Bitcoin as a technology and as money, that it really takes it to the next level, and it, it and it could become standard rather than you know something more adventurous people are doing. So we've spoken a bit about how Bitcoin can, or or sort of what's the problem, a little bit about how Bitcoin can solve it from an online social networking perspective. But it strikes me that there's probably room for Bitcoin to, or there's a role for Bitcoin to play in in-person interactions between groups of friends. You can imagine maybe people would like this thought or dislike this thought, but a future where people maybe had wearables that made sending people money uh, via Bitcoin extremely easy. Uh, you know, that person just held a door open for me. It's sort of like a sort of strange, but typical example. Like, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna wink them five cents, you know. Uh, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be some sort of like large credit score. I don't think, I don't know that people would necessarily want that. Or, or that's a sort of a separate question from just the ability to easily send someone money, just looking at them, or to be well networked with your friends where, like, oh, that's a hilarious joke. Like, here's a buck, you know. I, I don't know how you think about the role of money in that kind of context uh, and if, if there's a business there. Oh, that's a really interesting question. I hadn't thought about in-person interaction. Um, it makes me think about actually on online relationships that go offline. So uh, if, if you start, um, you know, producing media about basket weaving and you meet someone that, that you just really click with and you start a business making baskets or something like that. Um, I, I think from my perspective, the social networks that that I'm interested in don't exist yet, in, by and large. Um, and so I think my, my, my instinct is that you, you start online and then you can sort of bring online behavior into, into the real world. Um, I think that's that's just more. I think that works better at scale, and um, I think you have more leverage doing things that way. 
I'm imagining like driving down the highway um, or being driven by myself driving a car down the highway and just You won't be driving yet, yeah, but <laughs> billboards for like charities that you can just uh there's like a pay mail or something. Right. And you can just Right. Just wink at Yeah, just be, you know, giving all down the highway to these uh really easy to pay just by having them in your visual field. Uh, yeah. It's it's an interesting thought. Um so do you think the current sort of set of popular social media applications can effectively pivot more towards something that's in your vision or are they, is it too late for them? Um, in my eyes, the problem is that there's not enough productive things to do on social media. I think the, the format uh, the format doesn't work. I mean, there are ways to, to, um, have productive engagements on Twitter, for example. Um, but you really have to be trying pr probably consciously. It's probably something you have to learn and figure out how to do because it's not, um, natural in that context. It doesn't come automatically. And it's not what other people are doing. Um, nine times out of 10, you're going to, at least the impulse is to start copying what other people are doing around you. And, um, and <clears throat> Bitcoin is about creating value. Um, and it's, it's great to hang out, you know, and have fun, but, um, I don't think there's there's nothing productive to do on social media. That's the problem. Can they pivot? Um, unlikely. Maybe if if the government gets involved and one of them gets broken up and one of the pieces figures it out, or um, or 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 you could see one of these companies having really good leadership and they're forced to adapt um that that would that would require some some real leadership um probably i, I would say jack dorsey is seems like the most likely um but i don't know twitter is really big it would be it would be a challenge in your mind, would that pivot by definition mean embracing Bitcoin or is there a different path that they could mm -hmm. enable everyone to be productive to the fullest extent without Bitcoin? No, no, it would have to be with Bitcoin. Yeah. That kind of leads into um, a question I wanted to Before, ask. Can we, yeah, sure. can we ask why? It's not that we disagree, but I think people listening to this would enjoy yeah. hearing why you, why you think, uh, like why wouldn't Libra, for example, why can't that work? Well, I, I think it just literally won't work at, at the very least from a legal perspective. Um, it, it, I, I mean, at this point, it seems like it's not going to happen. Many of them made the backers um, back down. Um, frankly, there just isn't any competition for BSV. 
they're so you know people are are just very yeah. distracted right now so it's it's more an inevitability than uh something that like is theoretically not possible uh I mean, it, it, what matters is if it's economically possible. And right. I don't think it's... No, that makes sense. Um, I wasn't sure if your assertion was that um, no other system but Bitcoin could... No, could I mean, I'm sure you could imagine something. Probably you would have to come to a lot of the same conclusions that would yeah. come to by Satoshi because they are the only way, I mean, they're the only practical way of doing things. Um, but at this point, there's no use in, you know, re throwing away the wheel when the wheel works. Yeah, no, I, I see it the same way. Yeah, that was, that was where my question was going um, about the inevitability of Bitcoin. Uh, I recently saw you on the Bitcoin SV channel and you were talking about, I don't know if you used the word inevitability, but it, you were getting at this like, Bitcoin is the system. People are not realizing it right now. They will eventually. Like, do you think that BSV's success is inevitable? And if so, like, what does that mean for uh, an aspiring Bitcoin entrepreneur? Yeah, uh, inevitability. Uh, inevitable is a little bit of a strong word, but it really does. Uh, it seems at this point that there, uh, you know, there's enough momentum, and at this point, it's hard to imagine what would prevent it from succeeding, except for, you know, some sort of global government ban. Besides that, I don't, it, it, it does seem like at this point, there's not that much to worry about. So let's say I'm an entrepreneur. I have some familiarity with Bitcoin, uh, probably not to the extent that you do. What, what do I do? Like, what does Bitcoin let me do that I couldn't otherwise do? How should I make moves to capitalize on yeah. what seems like a likely outcome of BSV being a very dominant platform? Yeah. To build on? Well, the first thing you should do is watch all of Daniel Craywood's videos. I think that's, that's should be the first thing that you do. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, why you should do that but um yeah then just get started um investigate the tools that are available there's a lot of really fantastic um tools uh, don't try to do everything yourself if you can just plug something in um do what you're genuinely interested in because you probably can um and learn about business. I guess those are, I don't think you could go wrong with those. Yeah, I think that's a good set. Um, yeah, I think uh, talking about the inevitability of BSV, it's, it's striking and I think maybe also worth downplaying uh, on sort of like a grand scale, what a strong position BSV is in. Um, and I think the, the thing that is getting the least um, amount of attention, which really should be 
the thing that 95% of people in crypto are panicking about uh, are Enchain's patents, you know, in my eyes. Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, what, how do you think about Enchain as an entity that exists in the space that you're trying to build that has taken a very friendly stance towards crypto businesses, um, but ha wields a lot of power, you know, per se, uh, in this arena? Um, I think it's great. I think that if there were different people in charge, it wouldn't be great. But uh, the thing is, the, the economic incentives in Bitcoin basically solve, you know, all these kinds of little problems that you can think of. It, it solves many, 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 many problems that you would normally experience. And that's a, that's a something that I think, well, in, in BSV, we, we, we kind of appreciate it, but in the crypto space in general, it's, it, it's not appreciated the, um, the layers of incentives that the bit that Bitcoin as a system creates besides the block reward and fees, b besides the whole mining operation, there's a whole set of other uh, economic incentives that affect everyone um, in the space in very positive ways. So um, even if Enchain um, had poor leadership, they're incentivized to help you. Uh, they're very incentivized to help you. If, if, if you're going to be providing value, if you're going to be growing the Bitcoin economy. Um, so I don't, I don't have, I don't have a problem with it. Honestly, it's, it's, um, you you could think of ideological region, reasons to be upset about it, but practically speaking, it's a big asset that that regular startups don't have. So yeah, I think in a nutshell, if if you had to pick one word that sort of summed up the difference between the understanding of people in BSV and the understanding of people in the rest of the crypto space. It would be incentives. And I think a, a serious misunderstanding of incentives has manifested in some of the security concerns, some of the protocol changes that have been proposed uh, in other parts of crypto in the whole token experiment, uh, which I would say is more or less a failure at this point. And Unfortunately, I think it's it's something that also is a big misunderstanding of the population or, or humans in 2019 in general is sort of a myopic view of incentives and a, an inability to think about the incentives that are facing uh, various contingents of the population, which maybe are 
uh, deemed to be extremely pure in motive and sort of unassailable where if you take a look at what the incentives actually facing those groups are, maybe it paints a different picture. Regardless of whether that's true or not, I'm curious, since your sort of vision is so tied to incentives, do you think that there's, do you think education or some sort of education around the type of product you're building is going to be a huge pain point? Or is it the kind of thing that's just going to be intuitive and obvious to users? Um, some of it will be obvious, um, but it, it, it does require a change in behavior. Uh, on the other hand, on the other side of that change is money. So um, education is, is definitely um, very important. And uh, I'm going to be <clears throat> uh, starting a podcast soon uh, for this very reason, um, which, you know, maybe we have to do that, but it's also a branding opportunity. So works out. Yeah, everything online is an ad. Uh, but some ads are good. I hope people are enjoying this ad. Um, yeah. Is, do you guys have a, a launch date? I mean, we normally sort of invite people to plug at the end, but you know, we're here now, uh, where should people keep an eye out for that podcast if they're interested? Um, it should be in the, in the next couple of months. Um, You'll uh, you'll hear about it on my Twitter. It'll probably be passed around in, in the BSV space, but my Twitter is Jonathan Aird, A-I-R-D, at Jonathan Aird, so you can find me on there. And we're uh, Adam Bounded Capital. I don't know. What's our handle, Dave? Uh, it's uh, at Unbounded Cap, C-A-P. Twitter. Anyways, you'll, uh, you'll find retweets of it there. Jonathan... Uh, we've we've taken a good amount of your time. This is not our first attempt to record. I uh, do you have any sort of big picture thoughts that you want to leave us with um, in the world of Bitcoin or anything else? Uh, sure. First of all, I wanted to point out I'm I'm wearing this OG Bitcoin Cash shirt. Um, I didn't actually choose to do this, but I realized I was wearing it. It's it's the Bitcoin Cash logo with um, that's actually using uh, the white paper as the words, but um, from before the split, obviously. Um, but yeah, I've been telling this to people on Twitter. Um, my advice is to try <clears throat> to think if you're if you're interested in BSV and this is, this is your passion. Try to think farther into the future um, regarding the Bitcoin economy and what you should do about what you're thinking. Um, I think it, it feels like to me that people are reliving the hash war over and over and they're, they're I don't know, know if they're stuck in PTSD or something, but um, it, it would be a good idea um, if, if you're 
interested in your financial well-being to think about the future and farther into the future. This is like a, I feel like your Eisenhower speech. Um, <laughs> you know, the war is over. Now get back to work. We don't need to uh, create exactly. more conflict. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Yeah, PTSD is definitely how I how I think about that also. Yeah. Very, very apt. Yeah. yeah. Well, you heard it here. Beware the uh, protocol industrial complex, and <laughs> yeah. stay tuned for more Jonathan Aaron, more unbatted conversations. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or anywhere else you can find us if you have any uh, thoughts, comments, uh, guest suggestions, anything else. Jonathan, we really appreciate having you here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, see you all soon. Bye.